Greetings, listeners. You are on the Four Practices podcast, a podcast from St. Patrick's Anglican Church that looks at uh, different ways we can put the four practices of worship, community, formation, and mission into action. Uh, This episode is the first in a series we're calling How to Be a Witness Without Being Weird, and it's a series of um, audios that look at both... um, how to rightly think about being a witness for Jesus, and that offers um, simple practices we can put into action to actually be a witness. So in this first episode, I just want <clears throat> to spend a little bit of time um, painting a picture of what I think uh, it looks like to be a witness for Jesus. I'm going to do that two ways. First, I'm going to talk about some bad pictures, three of them to be exact, and then a couple of uh, positive kind of kind of portraits of what it looks like to be a witness and my hope is that I well what what my my um my hypothesis is is that oftentimes uh, one of the things that trips us up from living as a witness is we have wrong assumptions about what it looks like to do that ministry and then actually don't have sort of a good picture of what it really looks like so we're going to start there and I just want to begin with this thought. Um, in our parish, St. Patrick's Anglican Church, um, every Sunday we pray a prayer at the end of our worship. We call it the Prayer of Christian Discipleship. Typically, it's called the Post-Communion Prayer. And um, in that, um, we we ask the Father to send us out into the world to do the work he has called us to do, to serve as witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's probably not exactly worded right, I don't have it memorized, but essentially we're praying, God, send us back out in the world to be witnesses now that we're done gathering. So this this episode and really every episode of how to be a witness without being weird is going to be our attempt to put feet to that prayer. Send us out into the world to, to do the work you've given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. So let's get going. Today, um, painting a right picture of how to be a witness. So there are probably three different ways that people think about being a witness that that um, are wrong or think about how evangelization works that are wrong, or at least at least if they're not absolutely wrong, um, they serve as an assumption about being the only way to do it and they get in the way of us doing it. So the first one is just what I'm going to call the Billy Graham picture. So there are people like Billy Graham, uh, maybe some of you are young enough don't remember Billy Graham, but he would fill stadiums of people and, and have uh, music and preach a sermon that was basically outline the gospel and invite people to respond to Jesus. And the truth is God called him to do that. Um, his ministry was extremely anointed and extremely fruitful. Many people came to Christ. And really, when I was a kid, eight years old, I remember listening to Billy Graham one night and responding as an eight-year-old could in faith to his message. So he even has impacted my journey with Jesus and many, many others. And there are other people that have ministries like that and have had ministries like that. Even through the centuries, like a John Wesley in the 18th century would would preach publicly the gospel, or Francis of Assisi had teams of preachers that travel and preach, or even the Apostle Paul would show up in a city and do public preaching of the gospel. Maybe it's a good good idea to call that kind of person an evangelist and, and say that most of us aren't called to that ministry. In fact, very few of us 
are. It's a unique ministry. It's not the norm. But God has used it, and God will use it. The other picture that um, I think we often have what it means to be an evangelist is we think, well, I've got to be sort of an, it's a person who's an expert on explaining the Bible, an expert on explaining the gospel, maybe can defend the faith like an apologist does. An apologist is someone who gives rational defenses for Christianity. And so we think, man, I just am not equipped to do that. So there's no way I can do evangelization. Um, a great example, someone who does this kind of work is a Roman Catholic bishop who's at work right now named Robert Barron. He does um, work through YouTube, primarily in podcasts. And he'll like he'll like review movies. He'll talk about different aspects of the faith. He'll talk about um, apologetics. And he does great work. And in fact, I'd encourage you to look him up and listen to some of his videos. You'd find them very encouraging and even great tools to share with friends. But he, again, has a very specific ministry, and I'm not called to that. Probably all of you who are listening aren't called to that. And then there's a third picture, and this is probably the most prevalent picture that really trips us up up from being witnesses, and it's what I call the, the salesperson model of evangelism. And some of you grew up in traditions like I did, where you were taught kind of this model, and some of you, this is completely foreign, but see if this rings a bell. Um, the idea is we all, one, are supposed to share the gospel. Number two, we need to memorize some kind of simple gospel plan. That's not necessarily a bad idea, but in this context, it isn't very workable. Some sort of simple gospel plan, kind of like a sales presentation. And then we need to sort of look for opportunities to share that. And we could share that with people you know, but most of the stories we hear are, I'm in an airplane, I'm at a store, I'm at the gas station, and we share this with someone we don't know who really wasn't expecting to have a conversation about this. And and the stories that you told usually are the times that the few times it works and someone responds in faith. And if you're like me and most people I've talked to, and you hear that particular picture, or excuse me, see that particular picture, you think, Man, I don't know. I don't think I could do that. I think most people I know would be really bothered if I did that. I'm not going to do that. So if that's evangelism, I'm not doing evangelism. So let me review. Let me review. There's a there's three different pictures I want to talk about. Sort of as the big the Billy Graham picture of the the great preacher in front of thousands. That's evangelism, or the expert on the Bible and apologetics and culture, who's able to to interact with people. It's kind of the Bishop Robert Barron, maybe the Francis Schaeffer, or the Ravi Zacharias model. And then you have the evangelism as a, as a salesperson model. And for the rest of us, us normal people, none of those three models works. So for the rest of us, what does witness look like? And I want to paint a picture like this. First of all, I do want to say that I believe that all of us as disciples are called to be witnesses. The reason that prayer is in our liturgy is because um, Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of people. I'll use you to reach people. Jesus left the Great Commission and said, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Um, And that was a call to the whole church. And even in the epistles, there's encouragements to be a witness, to be ready to give an answer, to be available to God, to minister to people and help them become disciples of Jesus. 
So I think the call is for all of us, but what does that look like? And here's a couple of things to think about. Number one, our primary and maybe the vast majority of the space where our mission field is, is with people already in our lives. Um, each one of us have family, we have friends, we have neighbors, we have coworkers, and even people that maybe we have real low-level relationships, but we regularly interact with. Those people, those groups of people, for each of us, are our mission field. It seems like one time I did a I did a survey um, of St. Pat's, maybe not, maybe I just calculated this, but we had about 50 people involved, 50 adults involved in the church at the time. And everyone was able to name, you know, on average 10 people that they could pray for in their already existing circle relationships who weren't disciples of Jesus. So that means our 50-member church had a mission field of 500 people. Um, that's pretty awesome. So that you think about that, wow, if there are 200 churches in Lexington, and if every church had um, 500 people they're trying to reach out to, then, um, you know... Uh, we could we could reach a thousand people. We have a platform with a thousand or a hundred thousand people in our city. So hope that makes sense. So I think that we start with the space where we already live. Doesn't mean God never does that amazing divine appointment, maybe once or twice in our life, but generally it's where we already live, where God's put us. That's the first thing. Second, the most important one of the most important activities to actually reach those people is to learn how to practice prayer. And so to have built into your prayer life, um, praying for people who are not yet disciples moves you from the, from, the, from the category of not living as a witness to living as a witness. That's ministry. And the truth is people become disciples because first something in their own heart begins to stir. We can't argue in the faith. We can't beat them over the head with the gospel. We can't force people. People who come to faith, and it's probably true for everyone listening, um, your adult commitment to Christ grew out of sort of your own interest, your own hunger, your own yearning, your own curiosity, and it led you either into faith or back to faith, right? That's how that works. And one of the ways we kind of cooperate with the Lord in that is to be praying for people. And then the third thing is then the activity we do isn't focused on presenting the gospel. It's focused on being a friend, being in relationship, being with people, making room in our lives for people who aren't yet followers of Christ. This doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It could look like kind of making commitment like, hey, once a week, um, among my group of folks I work with at work, I'm going to make sure I have lunch with people who at work aren't Christ followers. I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm regularly with people in my family who aren't Christ followers. I'm going to re- try to reach out and have these natural relationships with my neighbors. How can I build sort of normal ways to connect to their lives? Because witness, um, when it comes to the people dimension, a whole lot of it is rooted in how we live and who we are and people being around that. And then and then, as God gives opportunity, then there can be conversation. But if we don't make the space of relationship, we never get the opportunity to have conversation, to invite. And that leads to the fourth thing, is that is that we do need to learn how to speak the gospel. But what that looks like when you're a, new, a witness for Jesus 
It isn't so much learning how to give a sales presentation as it is being open to the spirit to create opportunities for spiritual conversation and just going with it. And it doesn't even have to look like it can be, well, let me say it this way. If you ever experienced that, usually that's something that's very natural, very normal. You're with a friend from work and they know you're a Christ follower and they ask you a question about church and it just stirs up a little bit of a conversation. It doesn't mean in that moment you explain the whole gospel or invite them to follow Jesus at all. But it's over the long haul of being with someone that you learn how to, how to just be open to the opportunities for spiritual conversations. Um, I will say this. I think there is a way we can actually share the gospel. I think the best way to share the gospel is by sharing one of the gospels. In other words, the best way to introduce someone to Jesus is to invite them to read one of the gospels and actually read about Jesus. Um, this can look like you know meeting with someone and studying, but I think for most people, if they're spiritually curious, just inviting them in the context of your relationship and natural conversation to read one of the gospels and just look at Jesus for themselves as a grown-up can be one of the most powerful things. I, for me, I think Jesus Christ is probably the single most compelling figure in all of human history, even apart from my belief that he's Lord and God and he rose from the dead. And a grown-up who reads one of the gospels cannot walk away and just think it's schlock. They're going to have to do some business with Jesus. They may not conclude Jesus is Lord. They may not become a Christ follower. But man, no better way to encounter Jesus than to just simply encounter Jesus. And it's such an easy way to just just invite someone, you know, kind of put the ball in their court. Well, there is a whole lot more I could say about those four things. And in fact, a lot of our series of podcasts is going to be all about um, getting into the weeds and more details about those four things. But before we get to that, we're going to come back and kind of look at... um, um, some principles that guide being a witness. So our next few podcasts are going to be built around that. And then we'll flip a corner and we'll talk about how to actually put being a witness into action. So thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out the Four Practices podcast. And I hope that you find um, this series, How to Be a Witness Without Being Weird, helpful. God bless.